one. Woo! <laughs> Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Pachuto. And I love to say that I am live with the one and only Bryony Schumer. Good morning. In New York City. Bryony, how are you? I'm really, really good. Good. I'm, I'm really so good. glad to be doing this live one year later. Oh, I know. NFT NYC. Wow. It's going to be an annual thing. You know that. I think it should be. Yeah. Um, yeah. And wow. I can't believe it's been a year. It's been a year. What have you been up to? How is life? Uh, okay. Life is good. Life is fast. Life is productive. It's creative. Um, life is... Oh, it's everything life should be. But uh, the last year, what have I done? I have made loads and loads and loads of things. I've learned new skills. I've traveled a little bit. I went to Mexico. I went to the mountains. I took psychedelics. That was amazing. Changed my life. Um, I've just been really leaning in and throwing myself into absolutely everything that came my way. And most of the things that came my way came my way as a result of being inside this community inside the nft space yeah it's been it's been a wild and brilliant ride i love that uh, i'm lucky that on. i got to see some of your new work yesterday yeah um with a pending drop i believe may 1st may 1st yeah um i found there's a lot of emotion and love and heartfelt fucking everything in your work thank you and in a lot of ways that can feel like a heavy burden to bear when you're creating this stuff yeah how does it feel when you're done when you release it when it's done and you're like looking at it you're like is it a sense of like catharsis is it like release is it like how's that sort of happen okay so i mean yesterday i i went into this presentation with with tons of notes and i'd written everything down and i was going to explain everything but then of course in the moment that all turned to shit and i was just like okay i'm just gonna <laughs> say some stuff and what what have you but I think what I really meant to say yesterday and what I'm going to say today is that these pieces of work specifically, and I made them over a period of three years between 2015 and 2019, which is actually four years, but you know. Close. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the next number. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was me giving myself complete permission. It was just me saying, do and say whatever you want to do and say. And I have been putting that off. I have been either allowing myself to be distracted or procrastinate or still making lots of art, but never really getting to like the core or the nitty gritty. And I, I feel that me, at least my artistry, is about exactly that. It's a, it's, and I don't know if catharsis is the right word. I think it's really raw communication. I just feel like it's how I best relate to other people. And when I started showing those pieces as textile pieces in the real world, um, it's quite noisy, isn't it? Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, Who fuck cares? It. <laughs> it's New York City. <laughs> it is New York City. Yeah, that's actually just a sound effect. Yeah, right. Um, I'm piping it in secondhand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Junk bros, thank you. But when I started to show them, people would come up to me afterwards and say, I know what that's like. That's my story. I feel that too. And it was such a heart opener for mm -hmm. me. And so I don't think there's any going back now. I just want to go deeper and deeper and scratch more surfaces and really shine lights into some pretty dark corners that make me feel vulnerable and potentially uncomfortable, but that are actually, I think they're the things that everyone relates to. 
Totally. I, I, yeah. I have two thoughts to what you just said. The relatability to the work is like very glaringly obvious. Yeah. I think we've all been in love. I think we've all been through loss. And I think that like inherent aspect of like one's existence is pretty uniform across yeah. human beings. I mean, that piece in particular, just to interrupt you, sorry, I won't do that That's again. Okay. I'll try not no, to. Go for but it. <laughs> that piece in particular is also about um, regret and aging. It's really about being an older woman now. And that's really, that's, that's a, a very, well, it's, it's, it's an experience. Yeah. Of well, course, it's an experience. Yeah. But it, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not what you think it's going to be. Yeah, the reoccurring theme on this podcast is like, could 20 year old John have learned 30 year old John's lessons? Right. And the more I live, the more I'm extremely cognizant of the fact that time is the only provider when it comes to learning things like yeah you get the experience when you get it and you can't really account for when it happens no and a lot of things like love and loss and those kind of heavy moments tend to take time to unfold right your 15 year old broken heart is not the same well we in i mean that story and people will see it when i eventually drop this well but that work but this that story i mean we were together on and off for for 11 years oh wow yeah yeah it was it was a big deal like it was a real big thing and and there was so much about it that was uh, wrong and, uh, you know, young love and hot. And but it was so beautiful. We were and we looked so good together. And it was it was visually it was perfect. It was it was oh, it was such a good thing. Yeah. But then until now it wasn't right until it wasn't. And then but now looking back, I mean, that experience, I really allowed it to shape me. And so I'm having to deal with come or come to terms with Ooh, you know, I've spent decades really putting that up as the gold standard when maybe it wasn't. Ooh. Yeah, when maybe it wasn't and that actually I've deliberately shied away from other experiences or I haven't had other experiences. I, I'm not a mother. I haven't had kids, obviously, because I'm not a mother. <laughs> um, but, you know, I haven't done things um, and like I said in the piece, you know, safeguarding the past. And suddenly you're my age and you're like, oops. You know, and even though I'm really happy with all the choices that I have made and, you know, it allows me to make art the way I do. And But, yeah, as you grow old, it, there, there are many, many things that you suddenly realize I'm going to have to deal with that. Yeah, I think that's one of the beautifully frustrating things of life because mm. through those experiences when you're in them it's hard to like envision a situation where this person that you are just so magnetically connected to them not being your person right mm. there's no foresight to the fact that this could be wrong right and then when it ends you have the immediate afterthought of well i now have to compare every future partner to what i thought was perfection and then you have to get that space, that gap behind it for you to realize, well, maybe all that glitters isn't gold or whatever that <laughs> quote it was, right? Because I, I've been doing a lot of that recently. I feel like my relationship life in the last 10 years has just been nothing short of chaotically, wonderfully, masterfully terrible. And uh, <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, And I think <laughs> when you start like looking back and looking at, like, well, a relationship that failed – but because of why and then well was i looking back on it with rose-colored glasses and i was ignoring it because i wanted so desperately for it to work and i what i find wonderful about your art is that you've managed to take these experiences and put them into a practical medium whether it's poetry or the canvases that you create and 
as a multimedia artist, I'm curious how do these experiences tend to unfold for you? And like, do you come to it from a conscious perspective of this is going to be a poem or this is going to be a song or this is going to be a painting or this is going to be a quilt? Like, how does life's experiences tend to come out when you have so many different mediums to work with? Well, they're really just three. <laughs> they're just, you well, know, I, the three. I, take, I take photographs, yeah. I write, and I, and I sew. So I, I make, you know, I, I, yeah. So I, I think the written word is, is probably, well, it's so hard. But I, I think the words come first. Like, I really love writing. Mm-hmm. I've written every day for eons and eons, mostly just, you know, journal type stuff. And every but day. I yeah, pretty much. I mean, wow. there are crates of these things. You know, That's impressive. That I will never read. <laughs> uh, but it's because it's a really good way to just have a dialogue. And I, I find it um, very useful to try and answer questions for myself. Mm-hmm. So um so I used to, when I heard, and I was saying this yesterday, but when I would read things or people would say things that felt very, very obvious to me, I was like, well, that's common sense. So why are you even bothering to write it down or say it? That just feels very usual. Mm-hmm. But then I sort of realized that um, actually it's not. You know, I think when people... Um, declare themselves and uncover their truths and make themselves vulnerable that um yeah like i said earlier in this podcast it is just a way to sort of share your humanity so the words the words come first i think when i uh and i've been doing textile pieces with words for ever but i always used to just use other people's lyrics or just you know one-liners you know, I used to write songs, so, you know, lyrics were also something that was my one of my roles within the band. Um, and now I look at some of those lyrics and I'm like, oh, these were actually just poems. Like, that's what I was writing. But I, again, I don't think I gave myself real permission. So when I started doing this series, Cheap Sheets and Soiled Smalls, which are, you know, nine pieces, um, hand-embroidered, long-form poems, basically, um, it was my way to say, say whatever you want. So I started writing about the first one I wrote was really about what I was going through at the time, which was a physical situation. Um, I had I had things going on. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I really just, I just said whatever I wanted to say. And that one is, you know, it, it's really the blood and the guts. It's uh, everything. And it felt fantastic. Like it just felt like, yes, this like feels release, great. Yeah. Um, and so from then on, I've just really, I've, you know, when I write, I, it's just, it's, it's just a way of sort of really getting everything out. Um, and I think I have a particular flavor when I write. And I think I write like I speak a little bit. And so it just, you no, know, I mean, in this instance, it just felt fucking great Mm -hmm. yeah it was just really good when i read your stuff i get struck by a sense of like maybe like a beautiful melancholy like there is a happy beautiful sadness about your words and i and i'm using the example of what i saw last night Mm. obviously um 
And I guess when it comes to, I mean, writing every day is a remarkable feat. I fucking can't do that. I, I would love to. I, like, I genuinely try to. And then no, you look at your diary. I'm not saying I'm writing anything good. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's say, I'm just saying, like, I would just, like, love to get my thoughts out, like, what I'm feeling. And I don't do it enough. I'll look in my journal and I'll be like, oh, that was four fucking weeks ago. Like, what have you been doing? I feel like life gets in the way sometimes. But from an art perspective, whether it's poems, whether it's these textiles, when you're creating do you look back and draw on specific events? And, Absolutely. And do you feel it as raw as the day it happened? Like, you know, when you're going through a breakup and you're writing about it and say it was six months ago, right? Are you able to like get those feelings back and then put it into your art? So um, let's talk about this one's for you specifically. I mean, I, I wrote that, uh, yeah, like 2018, 19, what have you. So I wrote about that relationship from where I am now. Mm -hmm. So my perspective on it is exactly what you see on the screen, which is this is this is what this relationship has done to my life for the last 20 or 30 years. This is where I am now as a result of what we went through. And then, yes, there's that sort of glorious sort of middle passage where I'm just saying, oh, my God, it was so amazing and how much I loved it. And but then also trying to get a bit more real with myself. And then so all of these pieces, I think, were a way of me trying to examine my life and see where I am now, where I think I should be, you know, all of the expectations that I'm, I had for my life that maybe haven't worked out, but the other things that have. Uh, yeah. So I'm writing from this perspective, but absolutely I can draw on everything that I went through. You said something interesting there, and it got me I thinking. Did. Yeah, <laughs> wow. I mean, you say a lot of interesting things. To be fair, do you think, like, I genuinely believe that there is a common thread of humanity where I'm not sure anybody's expectations of their lives meet the realities, right? It's like who I thought I was going to be at, you know, April 2023 versus who I am April 2023. Like, those two people couldn't be any different mm. and it could be a positive or a negative right so like i think there is just that possibility that no one's expectations ever meet their realities um but you just mentioned something about like being in a different place than you thought you were going to be like where are you in relation to where you expected to be and how does that expectation oh. meet that reality Oof. i know <laughs> it's really painful i mean it is and it isn't it, uh, okay so i mean i wanted to be a rock star and so I fronted a band and I did ten, did that for 10 years. And, you know, I had, uh, that was a whole experience in and of itself. But at that point in my life, in my 20s, I wanted to be famous and I wanted to be rich and I wanted to just, you know, I wanted to be celebrated and looked at. Um, but actually the reality of that process is not like that at all. So, uh, and I wasn't ready for any of that and I was scared and I didn't know anything. I mean, actually, you know, if I did it now, it would be so much easier. I'd have a, a completely different attitude. So if I start a band next year, don't be surprised. Start it. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so also coming to terms with that, because that's quite a loss. Like when that ends, that's a serious loss. And so there's grief, um, but then you learn about other things in life. And, you know, I, I discovered for myself that visual art for me is, it comes really naturally, <clears throat> excuse me, 
and really easily and that I'm always inspired and that I can always I always have something to say or make like it doesn't stop so leaning into that which I thought because it was easy and you know I, I don't take that lightly like I'm not saying it's but uh, that was why I didn't pursue that because I just felt like everybody could do it hmm. I just thought that was like you know part of being alive and being human um, so I've forgotten them really, what was the question? <laughs> I'm just like expectations and <laughs> realities uh, of it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't know. They change, and you learn how to comfort yourself. And I think I have anyway. You know, I learn how to uh, manage expectations. And I've, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, just talking about relationships. Uh, you know, having expectations of people, I've discovered, is something that you really you should shouldn't never do. do. <laughs> Um, so, you know, you learn all kinds of things. And that's why I say, I mean, you know, when I when I write about getting older and aging and, you know, I include the physical aspect of that and I also include the spiritual and mental aspect of that. But there are pros and cons. There are checks and balances, you know, sort of some things go and like, mm, that's going to be a bit difficult. But now I'm older and I have more wisdom and I have experience and I've got amazing friends and all sorts of things and yeah I'm not that I've given up on any of my dreams but they change shape yeah are you happy very oh good yeah I'm basically a, a sort of pretty happy person yeah I am too and and uh, I was talking about it recently on my podcast that I'm wildly happy like on a daily basis just like being alive doing whatever the fuck I want and like success is whatever I make of it but I'm not content. Huh. And I'm wondering... Can I just ask you something? Yeah. Do we say those things? Do we say things like um, success is whatever I make of it and all, because we haven't succeeded in the ways that we thought we were going to succeed or wanted to succeed? Very interesting question. But I've succeeded in different ways in like the different aspects of my own life and career. So like when I was working nine to five for the man... And let's say I was in a sales job. I was successful in that I was doing well. I was closing deals. I was making money, right? When I was managing a construction company, I was handling my job opportunities and, you know, doing the job, right? So I don't look at success as, well, I didn't get like a plaque on the wall or a trophy, right? Like it's, there's no measurable, like tangible, physical thing to the success. But like going home every day, I'd be like, today was a good day. I did what I needed to do. And I succeeded mm. in terms of the grand scheme of things. I mean, like I've been fired from jobs. That's failure. That's not success. But I think when you look at that aspect of it, the failures is the success like me fucking up and losing jobs and, you know, creating this whole different pattern for myself inevitably led me to where I am now. Um, and like my success today is basically because of my failures. How do I measure my success today? I don't know. It's like freedom, time. Like, I think when you look at, like, resources, just purely dollars and time, the only thing that really matters is time, right? Like, I, you know, I don't hope to have five more laptops or, like, six more TVs, right? I do. Oh, do you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, fair. Teach your own. But, like, to me, it's like I've reached the point where, like, to me, funding my lifestyle is predicated on giving myself the ultimate amount of freedom for time mm. to be able to do what I want with that time. And that is success to me. Okay. So if I can create a space for myself to do whatever I want and be successful, that is 
tangibly success for me. I, mean, I was walking from the station here today, and I was think I was looking at some guys. They were they were at their desks in some store window, and I thought, oh, you know, good for them. They're hard at work, and these are their lives, and they're doing they're like they're doing stuff. And then I had to remember that. I was also doing something that, you know, I was walking to this gallery to do this podcast, to have this great lineup today and that I've put this together and that that is actually my work. And I think that was quite a wild sort of just thought and reminder that, oh, this is like walking from the station to here today. Like that's part of my job. Yeah. And being here with you, this is part of my job. Yeah. And everything that I'm going to experience today is ultimately my work mm-hmm. um and how great that is yeah and what an amazing opportunity i mean i i can't remember i really can't remember the last time i had a job yeah i mean i've you know what i mean yeah no i get it yeah. i uh, i had a, a weird epiphany moment last night on the train where i was looking at all of the finance guys right the 40 and 50 year old dad guys who were in their slacks and their button-down shirts and they're all wearing their blazer you know their vest right their their finance bro vest right whatever it was morgan stanley or or uh Cantor fitzgerald whatever they were wearing they all were wearing their quote-unquote uniform yeah and like here i was riding the train wearing my shoes my sneakers my t-shirt my tattoos are showing and i'm like wow my life is so different than because that was my life that could have been me slaving nine to five fucking miserable and I was so, so miserable for so long, but I missed it, right? You blind yourself to the dollar figures, to the things that don't matter. And then you reach a point where everything changes, right? And, and I think for a lot of people, that's sometime in your 30s and you start figuring out what's important. And I've now built the life for myself that I could have only dreamed of 10 years ago, mm. but I didn't know to dream of it 10 years ago. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, um, I, I, I guess I'm... I feel really fortunate, and you know when you talked about contentment. Um, yeah, which I'm not. Yeah, so but why I don't are you know content? Why. Like what, what? I don't know. It, I, Does that mean you don't have peace? No. See, well, I don't sleep, so I don't know about peace. But on an everyday basis, yeah. I, I couldn't be happier than doing what I'm doing right now. Right. Like, this is. Like, it's fucking Friday afternoon. Yeah. I'm recording a podcast with my friend who I met on the internet two <laughs> yeah. years ago. So good. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's so absurd, right? That's not yeah. normal. To think that a tweet about Oreos and whiskey would have led to this. Exactly. I mean, that's amazing. Right? So yeah. that's that's like, I think that's the beauty of life. Yeah, totally. In terms of being content, like, okay, what could else could I be doing? Could we be having this conversation on my private yacht if I had $17 billion? Sure. I don't know that that would make me any happier. Like, I know my happiness level is where it's always going to be. Right. Because I'm just an inherently cheery, fulfilled person. Okay. But I'm not content, and I don't know why. Well, did, but does contentment mean to you that you're still, you still have a sense of urgency and that you are yeah. still looking to fulfill some things? Yeah. And you still have ambition? Yes. Right. So I don't know that that is, uh, I don't know that's a lack of con- uh, contentment. Yeah, I probably articulate this wrong. I've been doing this for a few podcasts now because I'm trying to figure out the fact that I am incredibly happy, but I am not peaceful. So, like, that may be the way but, that I articulate you know, I, it. I, I mean, okay, so I feel the same way. Like, I'm gagging to get back to L.A. because I've got ideas for the rest of these pieces, and I really want to get back to start doing those. Um, 
But that's a good thing, like that's a positive. So mm -hmm. when you say that you don't feel content, it sounds like a negative, but actually I would reframe it and say that you have things that you want to do and that you have drive and ambition still and that that's a really positive thing. Yeah, so I look at it negative in, this, in the respect that I'm not doing enough. I uh, want to be, uh, maybe that's, that's it. Yeah. Right, okay, and so you're fair, not I'm happy I'm, with yourself. No, no, I mean, like, like you're giving yourself a sort of a, yeah, a, like, a bit of pressure. Yeah, like I want to be like, you know, kicking my own ass. Like, right. why well, am I not doing seven podcasts? A wise man said to me this morning that a little bit of pressure isn't isn't a bad thing. And yeah, I was sort of like, okay, I like that. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think you reach a a, a point where, like, I'm 37 now. Like, there was a part of me when I was younger, I was like, oh, I'm gonna be dead by 30. Like, I just knew premature like life ending thing was like a thing and I, I think that's like a commonality thing amongst men it's like a biological to really? like procreate thing yeah I actually read about this because wow. every man well not man every human thinks that the world's gonna end in their lifetime like biologically because it's uh, programmed in our DNA to procreate right so the belief that the world's gonna end or I'm gonna die young is a trick that our brains play on us so that we have babies. Right. It's like a real thing. Yeah. I'm not a scientist, but no, I, don't I, on that. I understand. But I always want to accomplish more. There's so much more I want to do out of my life. So it's goes back to that idea of like, I'm, I'm doing whatever the fuck I want on a daily basis. That's a 10 out of 10 in my book, but I want to be doing more. Okay. So this thing about doing how more, did this, how this podcast turn into an interview with me? <laughs> I'm just curious how we got here. I'm just clever like that. <laughs> Um, okay, so the idea of doing more, because I, if I think about, if I, if I sit here and I think about all the things that I want to do that I'm not, or that I'll never have time for, or that I'll never have, you know, I'll never learn, or any of this, I would drive myself into uh, a pit of despair, probably. Hmm. So there is a degree of... Um, I don't feel it that way. Letting go. Yeah, I don't feel it that way. I don't feel pressure up for it. Because that's the other thing, because when talking about success and, like, how I view it and how I measure it, yeah. I don't, like, if I shot the cover of Rolling Stone magazine tomorrow, yeah. to me, that's not, like going to make or break my life like right that's not going to be something that is uh going to hi brian <laughs> uh, come on in brian but he can't talk like he can't join in yeah <laughs> yeah he got last year yeah, um he did so like to me he always it would wants be, to muscle in <laughs> <laughs> to me it would be a wonderful experience you can't join in though but you can listen <laughs> to me it'd be like a wonderful life experience to be able to do something like that however it's not going to define who I am as a photographer, as a person. It will be a notch on the belt that's really fucking cool, but it doesn't... And then you'll move on to the next thing. Right. You'll want something else. What will that something else be? This I don't is, know. This goes back to the contentment argument. I don't know. So but like you'll, for, you'll set yourself a different goal. Yeah. It's just... I just... I wonder when... Is it 50, 60, 70, 80 deathbed that you realize that the accomplishments that you've succeeded at the things that like measure up in life were in front of you all along sort of like the relationship i'm a bit confused now and also i got distracted by <laughs> brian how was your thing it was, good. was it yeah. good yeah. cool um okay well i got a bit distracted but where <laughs> were we where were we we I were forget. just talking about the beauty and the chaos of life the beauty and the chaos um, I don't know that those things, like those things that you're talking about measuring up, they never measure up because that's, that's a personal 
that's a personal uh what's the word i'm looking for goal like yeah. that's that's just that's an inner in inside thing mm -hmm. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about when I went to Mexico, okay? So I went to Mexico. And did ayahuasca, I'm assuming? I didn't do ayahuasca. Oh, okay. No, okay. no. Ayahuasca is a bit too sort of top down for me. Okay. I, I want ground up. Got it. So, yeah, I need to be rooted. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, so I went with um, uh, someone I met in Twitter. And his wife happens to work with plant medicine. And it was something that I felt like I was in a bit of a rut, not just not creatively, but just in terms of my life. Like I needed to I needed to break down some barriers and walls and I just I needed growth and change and uh, and I thought the only way to do it really was uh, to go Unplug, to Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. and get high uh, which is not how it was it was an incredibly deeply respectful um, very 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 raw and spiritual experience we were working with the Zapotec elders these people who've been doing this work for eons and eons it was so beautiful I can't even describe but the my takeaway and the thing that um, I found really staggering was I mean I'd gone there and uh, I, I, when we were sitting around, like, what do you want? You know, the minute I arrived at this place, I burst into tears. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was talking about how I really felt like I'd been abandoned and how I felt like I'd always lived under someone else's shadow and how I really felt like the patriarchy had crushed me. And, you know, hmm. I was this very oppressed person. Um, and... Um, um, anyway, so this was the work that I thought I was going to be doing. And then actually um, when I went and we did the journey and I'm sitting in this beautiful meadow with a river running through it and with these incredible people and having this experience, I remember sort of sitting up and I was in floods and floods of tears. Like I was just sobbing and sobbing, not from any sadness, but just I was honestly sort of forgiving myself for having abandoned myself. And the myself that I had abandoned was this, was this really, really, really real sensation of being love and being gratitude. And I know that that sounds really hokey <laughs> and that, that sounds like I'm, you know, the world's craziest hippie, but that's not what it was. It was this really, really, really intrinsic physical sensation and knowledge that this was who I was as a person and that we all are as people, by the way, but that we forget. So, um, what did you think initially? Like you, you felt like you abandoned yourself. In, yes. in what regard? That I'd, I'd, I'd walked away from my true nature, and that I had not. Uh, I had just walked away from my source, and the source of my energy, as I believe it is for all of us, is is really a, you know, love. Okay, that sounds so weird. Cause no, I'm actually, I'm I think a, it's beautiful. It is beautiful, but you know, you say those things, and people are like, oh my god, and they roll their eyes, but. But it was uh, it was mind-bogglingly good. Yeah, no, I could see that. I think I agree. I, you know, I want more for people in life now than I think I ever did. Like I'm more invested in other people's successes and happiness than my own in a lot of ways. I think that's I'm not. That, oh, really? <laughs> you little selfish person who's preaching love and hippy dippy. Well, love no, but happiness? here's the, here's the thing: is that actually it's in that it's it's in being true to your own source, and it's actually in offering that mm -hmm. to the world that I think that you 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 serve the the greatest purpose. I agree with that. I think as I've gotten older, that 
mentality of wanting to see other people succeed and be happy and genuine and from a genuine place. Yeah. Not in a well, if I help Ryan-y, some time down the road, right, that's right, going right. to benefit I'm, me. I'm it's getting, like that I'm sort of banking yeah, some... Right, karma, yeah, right, karmic. Right, yeah, right. yeah, Not that disingenuous sort of yeah, aspect to it. Yeah. But in like true good soul feeling, yeah. wanting other people to be happy. Yeah, because, because if you're good, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I was not like that 10 years ago. Mm. I didn't give a fuck about anybody other than myself 10 mm. years ago. And I'm sure it'll just get better 10 years from now. Maybe. But I... I, I I, th- I have a little bit of melancholy when I hear that you've like felt like this sense of you know self abandonment. Um, oh, but you know, you were talking earlier about the sort of sadness that exists inside my work, and that's that's it. You know, that's and I have always been. I've always had this. I remember really clearly. There's this woman called uh, Margaret Wells. I think her name was. She was a friend of my mum's, and uh, I can remember at a party, a family party, and when I say ages ago I mean 40 years ago yeah Yeah, like when I was really little and uh, I remember hearing her say to my mum that you know Bryony's got sadness and I have and I still do um yeah I still do there's something there is something and I keep making this gesture with my hand like there's some there's some podcast is a great place to talk about a hand gesture (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a small circle for those small circle Yeah. yeah but I I have that it's a little bit of sadness. Yeah, I th- I I take it not in a sad sadness. It's in a beauty of sadness yeah. because when I read your work, to me it strikes me as someone who is extremely and acutely aware of their experiences and the things that they've gone through and weathered. And it's like looking back at the beauty in the sadness versus I'm still really sad about it, which I think is. But I think it's just it's recognizing the you know the the true beauty in life, and also the really deep despair, and that all these things coexist, and that's really painful for every single person who's alive. And I think that also it comes from you know uh, having a very deep empathy mm-hmm. for people and for me. And uh, do you think empathy it, can be learned? Uh, uh, ooh, I don't know. Why are you trying to learn? Ooh, no, I think maybe I've... I could open empathy school. There you go. <laughs> That's a job, though. <laughs> that would not be a rewarding experience, I don't think. <laughs> Me either. You take like a. <laughs> but you know, in LA, I, c- I could do that and probably yeah. clean up. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. All the housewives would be dying to That's come. That's a great idea. I hate my kids. Let yeah. me learn to be empathetic towards them. <laughs> I actually could. I think. Yeah. I, I'm gonna try. I'll let you know how it You're goes. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, patent pending. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but I, I genuinely am curious because like I, I, I have in the last call it five to seven years have become exceedingly beyond my wildest expectations, empathetic towards other people. And I understand, I think now more about the world because of that. Right. Like I, I know at the end of the day, we're all just broken fucking monkeys who like have now smartphones and fucking means of which We're we can chimping yeah right exactly and like I, th- I think people don't recognize that enough like i think when we when we go back to like our happiest times as children and stuff like it was all without distraction it was all without you know the understanding that everyone feels the same way but as you get older it's like you just keep separating those lines we keep putting ourselves into smaller and smaller well, you, you know, you learn things. I've got a niece who's 21 years old who I absolutely adore. <coughs> she's the most 
Fabulous. And you think as an adult that, oh, I'm going to be able to impart wisdom to this person or I'm going to be able to. But there, there's no such thing. Like you, they don't, yeah. you know, you start talking in the eyes just well, glaze you were, over. When you were 21, if yeah. your aunt was trying to tell you something, you'd be like, fuck off, right? Well, you, start, you probably I mean, say I wanker. Had, I, had, <laughs> I, I had one very, very, very cool aunt. So, okay. you know, I and I thought that I was going to be the same for my niece. And there are some degrees but to which she will listen. But for the most part, you have to let people make their own mistakes. And yeah. And that's that's just the way it is. So yeah, so you learn the empathy that you're talking about because you've now had some experiences and you genuinely know how that feels for other people. Yeah. So it's not until you've been through the thing that you're like, oh, I know what that's like and it really sucks or I know what that's like and it's really great. Yeah. So um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I'm definitely opening empathy school. I, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that. Me too. Yeah. I'm, I will. I would like to say that I'd be your first student, but like I've, no, but I've you mastered know, everything. Yeah, you've you've learned it all. I've got yeah. nothing to teach I'm co-founder, you. Co-founding, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I'm curious what like the next evolution of your artwork is, and what, if any, barriers exist because you have this innate ability to draw upon past experiences. Yes. Do you think that there is really boundless opportunities for you to create in the future? Boundless. Boundless. Um, well, yeah, I mean, the only, yeah, the only boundary will be me. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, last night, like I was telling you about, you know, Karen Jersik, who was here, and her imagination is so wonderful. And I was really, I mean, it was just oh, so inspiring. Um, but then I had to remember that. She creates from herself and that, you know, I will, uh, anything I make is is from my imagination and what I see and what I, my path in terms of, you know, my artistry is one of, uh, you know, my experience and self-exploration and creating from the inside and, and trying to communicate. So um, I, anyway, so when I get back, the next thing I've got to do is I'm, I'm doing the next eight pieces from this series. And I have been learning, um, you know, uh, videos and video editing. And I want to sort of get into stop motion and just oh. to create moving things. Um, and so I, I'm going to play like hardcore when I get back and learn things and get good at stuff and just try and figure out how to make the things I see in my head. Um, and... Uh, so, and again, like that, all these things that I'm learning now, these particular skills are things that I um, have been uh, encouraged to pick up because of the NFT space. Mm. So I could quite happily, I think, have just sort of gone on and done bigger quilts and more of this and more of that and and uh, more writing and, and all of those things. Um, I'm also not someone who sort of does one thing and then I'm happy to do that forever and ever. Like I, in my experience, one thing leads to the next thing. So the I'm so glad you brought that up. That sorry to interrupt you. No, that no, it's that fine. was actually going to be my next question because my creative career started in photography mm-hmm. and then it became photography in my podcast. Mm-hmm. And I think the next evolution of my storytelling is going to be maybe documentary film, mm. maybe. 
short form documentaries, right? Like I, at my core, I started to realize that I was like describing myself on social media as a storyteller because that's what I like to do. I like to talk to people and tell stories. Mm. And forever, I was like eschewing this thought process of making videos. Like it just, I like beautiful images. I like creating stagnant things. And then as my career has now unfolded over the last couple of years, I realized I want to dive deeper into the notion of storytelling. Mm. Do you think that's a, a, like a normal standard pattern for creative people that they find something like you mentioned you're, you do, you did music forever and then now you're doing that like it's just there's always going to be that next frontier that next challenge that next sort of phase I uh, yes I also think um, that really when I look back um, I've actually been doing the same thing in lots and lots of different ways so mm. you know I've always been writing so I've, I'm presenting the writing in lots of different ways uh, being in the band was uh, you know I was writing lyrics so ultimately I was still writing poems um, uh, I think that you know now I you know I, I write songs but they come out as quilts and you know it's all it's kind of the same thing but I'm I'm always looking for different ways to present it I I this and also this drive to sort of create in many different ways is both a blessing you know and a curse mm -hmm. I mean there are people who they they do they find a thing and they are in love with that thing and they do that and they evolve inside of that um, particular practice and I to some degree I, I envy them that but um, I really love the idea of presenting uh, in yeah I, I want to do you know I'm here once so I want to I want to do it all I can't do it all but I have at least narrowed it down to these three things. And when I can sort of make them all work as a marriage, then that's really great. Um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that now my horizons creatively have been expanded by the NFT space and I'm now moving into doing, uh, and I say video work, I don't know, but yes, video, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but also, you know, photo montage. And I'm, I suddenly have this whole new sort of layer of inspiration. And like I say, I'm, I'm dying to get back so that I can just start Great. playing and getting into it. And I, I, you know, I wasn't looking for that, mm -hmm. um, but I'm really happy that it's happening. There is a singular negative to, I think, the creative career, and that is the success metric, right? Mm. So at the end of the day, you need to measure the things that you create and do by whether they're commercially successful or maybe just in, you know appreciated from an art perspective. Um, I found in the NFT space it to be a little bit of uh, a drag, right? Which Pe bit? The, the measuring your success based on sales, right? Like I think to me, the greatest aspect of the NFT space was the friends that I made along the way. Like these experiences that I get to share with people versus, oh, well, I sold something yesterday, right? And that uh, uh, transactionary aspect to it really bummed me out because it sort of <coughs> went antithetical to the we're all going to make it mentality. So when you're on the cusp of putting out a big project that you've spent a lot of time creating, do you feel any inherent pressure for it to be financially and or creatively okay. receptive? Um, okay, so this is a conversation and a thought process that I'm deep in right now. And, um, you know, I'm working with um, a very wise man um, who actually is very keen for me to have um, financial goals. And I think that I have come to realize that maybe the fear of 
and these are all just thoughts, but maybe fear of uh, success or maybe the fear of something not selling or I, I feel like that's what really is, that's where the pressure is. But I think that once I, once I and I'm using the term lean in again, but once I really um, embrace the idea that actually as an artist, um, I want to sell my work, I want people to have it out there, I want to be um, making money from this because that is a measure. It might not, it's not the only measure. I mean, uh, you know, I'm sitting here with you. This is absolutely brilliant. All my friends are going to come here today. That is fantastic. You know, I've had moments with each and every one of them in the last week that has been really miraculous, like so full of love. But ultimately, also, in order for me to grow, not just as an artist, but as a person, I do think that actually embracing the transactional, um, aspect of what we're doing is important but I want to do that in a healthy way mm -hmm. in a way that feels good for me yeah. um, I don't want to tailor myself to the market I want the market to tailor itself to me mm. I want to dictate my terms to some degree um, you know I, these these pieces that I'm doing now I'm putting them out there at four ETH like that's the price um, because that's what feels good to me that's what I know they're worth that's what me and my time and my uh, my creativity, like that's the value that I'm putting on them. And I'm really happy about that. So actually for me, setting a, a financial goal and having the numbers on it means that I get to step into who I think I am. And that's, that's the expectation. Like going back to that part of the conversation, I actually want to have those expectations of myself. I fucking love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucking... That's a 10 out of 10 right there. Thanks. That was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Chip that's will good. Be happy. Yeah, that was, a, <laughs> that was a mic drop moment, honestly. That was, yeah. I think that was exactly the answer that I was hoping to hear from you. Yeah, mm. I mean, genuinely, because at the end of the day, you could sell out and you can sell none. And you've created and established a metric for yourself, which I think is wildly healthy. Yeah, I mean, I was in a space the other day and, um, there was someone talking about how when you come into this space, you really do have to sort of undervalue yourself initially. Yeah, I hate that. And, Fuck that. And I was just, I, I was thumbs down, thumbs down, thumbs down, thumbs down. Because I think that you need to, you, you need to send yourself the right message. And mm -hmm. I think that if you come into this space and you're like, this is what I'm worth, that I don't care what anybody says. It's like Stella Artois, reassuringly expensive, yeah, actually. I like and that. I think there is something to that. I think that, you know, when I look at someone's work and they've put, I don't know, some price on it or whatever, I... I then, for me, that's a measure of how seriously they take themselves. I love that. And I think that goes against a lot of, like, what you're just saying, because a lot of my experience in the early NFT space was, oh, this is too expensive. You don't have enough followers to warrant this price. You don't have enough audience to warrant this price. And I'm like, this is how I value myself. Yeah. Why do I want to sell an NFT for $41? Yeah. That's like, what the <laughs> fuck are we talking about? What are we going to do? I buy one dozen eggs for $41 and I sold an NFT. It's like, that's crazy. And, yeah. and I think gaining to the base of what your own value is to yourself is crucial in making these decisions as an artist. And I love that you've, that's the journey. Yeah. That's the whole journey. Yeah. Like that's the whole thing is actually your relationship with yourself. Yeah. 
I, I, I have a, I say the same thing all the time. I am astonishingly confident in myself as a human being. I, I have like reverse body dysmorphia. I look in the mirror, I'm like six pack. I'm like, you're 20 pounds overweight. I'm like, fuck <laughs> off. You know what I mean? But like that mentality that I bleed into everything that I do in work, mm. in photography, in this podcast leads to success. So I think in a lot of ways, if you're able to have that rationale, you can build whatever you want for yourself in any aspect of your life. I don't I don't have that all the time. I mean, I'm it's, it's but I am trying to make those two extremes meet. Mm-hmm. And so I'm retraining myself, which um which is good. Uh so yeah, so and again, like it, the, the that thing that I was talking about sort of having abandoned myself, I think that it's that aspect that I've just been talking about that I walked away from for a while because because of something someone else told me and said. So I'm just trying to sort of exfoliate mm-hmm. all the all the bullshit that, you know, I got programmed with and actually just step into brilliance. I fucking love that. Yeah. And I fucking love you. Thank and you. And I thank you so much for doing this podcast with Are me we for done? today. We're done. <laughs> oh my God, we've, we've, but it was so much fun. I know. Well, to be fair, we could do this for six more hours. But I know, let's. There are other, yeah, <laughs> fuck everyone else, sorry. <laughs> we're saying it. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, again, my my whole trope on the NFT space is I don't really care about anything other than the people that I've met here and the I wonderful. I mean, it has been extraordinary. It has. And yeah. like I said, a tweet about fucking Oreos and bourbon yeah. Lend to a beautiful friendship and like wonderful opportunities in real life, yeah. which I really appreciate. Me too. I greatly appreciate you. And I appreciate thank you. Thank you so much for doing this thank today. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Take okay. care. Okay. Bye.